welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. I hope you're well, and uh, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast today. After a brief hiatus, we now return to our study of Matthew's Gospel. We've come now to the fourth chapter, and I'd like to read the first 11 verses. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. What a great text. In this text we read of the temptation of our Savior. It is here where we see our Lord at one of the most vulnerable points of his earthly ministry. This season in our Lord's life is only matched by his vexation of spirit in the garden of Gethsemane and his time of separation from the Father upon the cross at Calvary. We find here his humanity on full display. He is unhungered and assailed upon by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. He's here left in such a condition that the angels must come and attend unto him. Though he is in fact God, he submits himself to the miseries of temptation in order that the captain of our salvation might be made experientially perfect. Here we also witness the second Adam in a similar situation as the first Adam was in, in the Garden of Eden. Yet here our second Adam comes forth in victory. For the first Adam was in a garden, a pristine setting, having all of his physical needs met and having the companionship of his wife to comfort him. 
He was in a state of pure innocence in communion with God, having never tasted the seasonal pleasures of sin. But when he was tempted, he failed. And as our federal representative, he carried all of mankind with him into the sinful state that it remains in even until now. But on the other hand, in our text, we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels, tempted not in a garden, but in a desolate wilderness, deprived of physical sustenance, and having only the wild beasts for company. Yet when he was tempted in all points like as we are, he was yet without sin. Another wonderful truth of this event is the means employed by Christ in overcoming the various temptations. He does not operate in a way that is out of the ability of his people. In other words, by being filled with the Spirit and by knowing and using the Word of God, he showed us that this is all that is required to overcome temptation in our own lives. He is our example. Had Jesus done some miracle or acted in some supernatural way, we would be able to say, well, that's easy for him, but I can't do miracles, so I must succumb to this temptation. So in this, we learn that all we need to overcome temptation is furnished, and we must but appropriate it. Now, as we study how our Lord overcame temptation, we'll discover how we ourselves may overcome temptation as well. Thanks be to God that there is with the temptation made a way of escape. There are four areas of our Savior's temptation that we must understand if we will follow his example in overcoming it. And I want to look at the first one a little bit today. I know I won't get done. That first one is this, the expressed purpose in this temptation. I believe it's safe to say that this temptation was part of the plan. This wasn't some accidental occurrence in the life of Christ. He did not just happen out into the wilderness and get lost and then seized upon by an opportunistic devil. No, Jesus went into that wilderness with his eyes open. He, we read here that he fasted for those 40 days and 40 nights. This he did in preparation for the ministry that lay ahead of him. He understood the need of self-denial as he made himself ready, not only for preaching, teaching, and healing, but for the cross itself. So we must prepare ourselves if we plan to enter into the ministry of any kind. We especially must do so if we will take up our cross and follow Jesus. But in this preparation... There was another purpose. Jesus would be tempted. Temptation is an ever-present part of the human experience. Christ in his incarnation must needs uh, go through this temptation. He must grapple with temptation. Notice first the season of this temptation that was purposed. This is seen in several ways. Verse 1 says, then... Mark's gospel starts with the account, uh, starts the account with these words, and immediately the Lord Jesus had just been baptized. The Holy Ghost had descended upon him as a dove, and both John the Baptist and God himself had confirmed his identity 
John had made clear that he was the Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of the world while God had declared him to be his son. The devil attacked him on both of these fronts. Twice, he questioned Christ's sonship, saying, if thou be the son of God. Then, when reminding him that the angels wouldn't so much as let him stump his toe, Satan endeavored to cast doubt upon his mission in redeeming sinners. Is not this the case with us? The old accuser tries to shake our confidence and tell us we are not in fact God's children. Uh, then he tells us that the suffering that we go through isn't the will of God for us and so we doubt our mission. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil has no new playbook. He still tells the same old lies in order to weaken our faith and cause us to sin. For in reality, all sin in the life of the believer is the result of weak, anemic faith. We don't believe God's threatenings and warnings. We fail to trust God's power in giving us a way of escape. We fail to believe that God has our best interest in mind. He tells us what to do or what not to do. Strong faith leads to a pure life, and Satan knows it. Therefore, just as he did with our Savior, he attacks us in ways that would weaken our faith. We hear his voice through the TV preacher say, Oh, if you were a child of God, you wouldn't be suffering like you're suffering. Well, but that's, that's the attack that he's always launched. I would also mention the duration of this season of temptation. Matthew's account seems to imply the specific temptations mentioned in this text happened after the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. That does not mean, however, that this was when the temptations began. Mark said in his account, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. This tells us that the temptations began as soon as Jesus entered into the wilderness and continued for the entirety of the time. I uh, think about this heavy burden of temptation that was upon him. If thou be the son of God, are you really going to suffer in this fashion? 40 days of this. We also know that this wasn't the only period of time in which Jesus faced temptation. Luke said that when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season, only for a season, and then he returned. How relentless is our enemy. Does not this fact implore us to faithfulness and endurance? God help us to be persistent in our resistance of the devil that he may flee from us. Next, notice the text plainly says that Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Here we find that temptation itself is not a sin. Jesus now filled with the Holy Ghost was led into a place of temptation. Mark put it this way in his account, the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. So we see that Christ was not only led voluntarily into this place, but he was compelled to enter it. The spirit as a co-equal member of the Godhead has the mind and will of God for our lives. Sometimes that necessitates temptation. Temptation is a trial of our allegiance to God. With every temptation, there's opportunity for victory or failure. When we overcome it, we do so by the grace of God. If we will but, own, uh, if we will but only trust him, his word, and walk in the spirit, we need not fail. Uh, 
But when we lean on our own understanding and allow our flesh to lead us, we will inevitably fall into sin and disbelief. Nonetheless, the Lord by spirit will bring us into a place where we will be tempted. This is not, however, an excuse to blame God when we fail. He's not the author of sin. He does not tempt us to sin. James 1.13 says, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But he will, for our good and his glory, allow us to be tempted. This is why we are instructed by our Lord to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yet when we, are, when we are tempted, we have the ability through Christ's example to overcome that temptation. So temptation is purposeful. There is a season of it here in the life of the Lord Jesus that proves that. Now, it looks like we're out of time. Next week, as we continue to look at this expressed purpose of temptation, we'll see the suitability of this temptation. It was suitable or it was appropriate that Christ be tempted. Until then, this has been Preacher Brandon. May God bless you as you serve him in these last days. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.